is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well... You know, I posted something a day or two ago on my Facebook and uh, Twitter sites. And I said, ABC News is really bending over backwards to promote this Comey interview. And they're hyping it. They're hyping it. Folks, just like all these news platforms promoted this guy, Michael Wolff's fictionalized account of what was going on in the White House. And it went on for weeks. And he sold a zillion books, and he made a zillion dollars, and we never hear from him again. This is really no different. This is a Michael Wolff-type book where you have a disgruntled former employee, the former FBI director, who is sleazy. He's been sleazy his entire career. He has ruined scores of people. He's been enormously unprofessional. He is a leaker. He is a slimeball, exactly what the president said. And it is presidential to say the truth about somebody like this. And the politics of all this couldn't be more obvious. The Democrats hating the man. And what do I keep saying? And in a second after Trump fired him, all of a sudden, he was angelic. He was angelic. I think you get a guy like Comey or a guy like Mueller, or there's another guy, Fitzgerald, I'll tell you about another time later today, where this power goes to their head. They literally have the power to destroy people, to imprison people, to break the backs of people, to destroy them financially, to ruin their families. And I think they think they are legally and politically bulletproof. So in a very sick and ironic way, Jim Comey has done us all a favor. He's exposed himself as what the president said, a complete sleazeball. This is a book filled with innuendo. It is a book filled with gossip. It is a book filled with really superficial allegations. And this is a man who sat as the director of the FBI. There's something horribly wrong with a man with these many defects and faults. Could serve in the highest public official positions for so long. He was U.S. Attorney in Manhattan for a period of time. He was Deputy Attorney General of the United States. As you know, Director of the FBI. How is it possible that a man so thoroughly unbalanced and flawed could serve in these positions? And everybody, except his best friends, everybody is at fault. Loretta Lynch. He takes a shot at. Now, I don't know why it comes to a surprise to anybody. Why Jim Comey, the weekend before the election, really the Friday before the election, raises the issue of additional emails they found, quote unquote, and then wipes the slate clean that Hillary's innocent And people running around today saying, wow, that's brilliant because he thought Hillary Clinton would be president. We've been saying that for over a year here. For over a year. 
Comey is a political animal. And he's diabolical. Even when he leaks, he tries to find a straw man through whom to leak. And he did, his Columbia Law professor buddy. Now, why did he do that? Because he didn't want to get caught. Because he wanted to be able to say, I didn't leak anything. But then he decided better when he was under oath in front of the the uh, Senate committee. He said, maybe I'm getting a little too clever. And so now the media and the left are nervous. They're nervous because there's nothing really substantive in this book. There are no bombshells in this book. And Comey looks like a fool. He looks like a fool. And they've been, they've been hoping beyond hope that this guy would be their savior. Certainly one of them to take out Trump. They were hoping beyond hope that this book would be the final page. But that never made any sense. That never made any sense. Comey couldn't say things in his book that he would need to say before Congress or in front of a prosecutor. And so his book is drivel. Nasty stuff. You know, over at Newsbusters, they do a great job. And uh, early this afternoon, barely afternoon, uh, they were taking account of what some of the the liberal, phony, mainstream media types were saying. And so everybody in talk radio is running around and saying, you know, I think this is going to backfire on Comey. Well, it's already backfired on Comey. And Newsbusters already put the case together. And so we will give Newsbusters credit and play their montage. It's only a little over a minute of what some of these... These people said at ABC and CBS and so forth. Cut five, go. And though he is taking shots at the president, too, with these personal slights, talking about his height and some of his physical characteristics. So this is uh, James Comey definitely settling some scores here. I'm also really struck by the language that Comey is using to describe the president. He calls his presidency a forest fire. The president himself, he says, is ego-driven. And he gets really personal. He talks about the president's appearance, saying that he appeared shorter in person. And this line was wow to me. He said that he appeared, the president appeared orange from tanning. There is zero love lost on this one, George. He even made comments about the size of his hands. You know, it's interesting about this book. Comey is trying to say there are standards and a certain ethical bar that the president is beneath. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he makes little digs at the size of the president's yeah. hands, talks about the color of his skin. The question is whether those morals he's trying to write this book about get caught up in what is just a political fight and therefore they look like just another tool in that fight which actually brings down their ability to measure the standards of our lawmakers, turns them into just another thing to use in a back and forth. And then it looks like a little pettiness, too. But that said, I can't wait to read that book. Of course you can, Gail King. Of course you can. So the book is crap, and he's hoping to make money. And let me tell you, I have a very ethical editor at Simon & Schuster, Threshold Books. He never tells me what to do. He never says, you know, put provocative language in here, create controversy. We want to sell books. But I can assure you, Mr. Comey received a huge, huge deposit on his book, an upfront payment by his publisher. And so he decided he had to be provocative. He had to be controversial. And so he decided the way to do that is to name call. And that's essentially what he does. 
and to twist events, to twist events, to attack Trump's marriage. That's a former FBI director. Does he sound like a former FBI director? And the Democrats are a joke. As I've said over and over again, we had put our own montage together a long time ago. Remember that, Rich, about the Democrats coming out and trashing Comey? We put this together a long time ago. And so now has LionComey.com. And you've heard this all day long. I have no doubt about it. But you need to hear it. Because the guy's a fraud. And the Democrats and the media are frauds, too. Cut six. Go. Democrats have been very critical of James Comey, and many of us did call for his resignation. Well, I was appalled by what Director Comey did. Comey acted in an outrageous way. He made a mistake. Maybe he's not in the right job. Howard Dean, former Democratic candidate for president, says, quote, he may have destroyed the credibility of the FBI forever. This was a very serious error in judgment. The president ought to fire Comey immediately, and he ought to initiate an investigation. What he did was unprecedented and outrageous, damaged the institution of law enforcement in this country. The lowest moment in the history of the FBI. I found it hard to believe that Comey, who I thought had some degree of integrity, would do this. All I can tell you is the FBI director has no credibility. That's it. Okay. And there were more. You get the drift. So Comey has a book, and the media are hawking it. Michael Wolff had a book. The media hawked that. We had this professor from Yale going on about Trump's mental wellness or illness. The media hawked her. This is just the latest in a long string, ladies and gentlemen. This is a little different in that Comey is destroying himself. I see ABC News is advertising the interview, Sunday, 10 p.m. on the Fox News Channel. So ABC News is advertising for 10 p.m. Sunday, the interview with Stephanopoulos and Comey on the Fox News Channel. Well, you know who's on 10 p.m. Sunday on the Fox News Channel? And you wouldn't know it from the Fox News Channel. I'm just telling it because you're, we're on radio here. Me. So you have a choice, Levinites. You can watch this guy or you can watch me. And if I don't tell you about it, you're never going to hear about it. Now, we're going to get into this. Normally, I would say, all right, that's enough with Comey. But it's not enough with Comey because Comey is the one who lit the fuse. Comey is the one who lit the fuse. And we're going to play some of the main excerpts from this interview because ABC News has put them out. So you don't have to even watch this on Sunday. But you're going to see what a joke Comey is. What an absolute joke this guy is. So you don't have to waste your time. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, one of the reasons I'm going to play these excerpts that ABC put out, the Hawkett Show, is I'm going to play them so you don't have to watch the show. So I'm going to play these excerpts from ABC that they played on Good Morning America. I will react to them, as I'm sure you will. And don't waste your time. All right. Let's begin. 
Where is it, mister? Cut one, go. Comey was with a group of intelligence agency heads, briefing Trump and his top aides on how the Russians interfered in our election. President-elect Trump's first question was to confirm that it had no impact on the election. And then the conversation, to my surprise, moved into a... Now, let's stop right here. First of all, does anybody think it is good policy for a former FBI director to be talking about his conversations with the President of the United States? Is there not some kind of understanding, basic, honorable understanding that the President needs advice, so you're briefing the President, and that kind of information should should remain quiet? I mean, doesn't a president have a right to expect that when he sits down with his FBI director or a president-elect that they're not going to go out and write a book about it? I'm quite serious about this. I'm sure he hasn't written anything about his meetings and discussions with with Barack Obama because Barack Obama appointed him. So this is loathsome in my view. Go ahead. ...about how the Trump team would position this and what they could say about this. They actually started talking about drafting a press release with us still sitting there. And the reason that was so striking to me is that that's just not done. That the intelligence community does intelligence. The White House does PR and... Oh, BS. You've been leaking. Your deputy leaked like a sieve. Other people at the FBI leaking to spin and control the... The media narrative, I don't want to hear this crap. Same with the intelligence agencies and the unmasking and leaking of the names of American citizens. This isn't done like this. We don't do press releases. Yes, you do. My days at the Justice Department, we worked very closely with the other divisions, including the FBI and the DEA and back then the INS, to work out uh, uh, press releases and press statements over various events and so forth. There's no question about it. It's normal. It's regular. Go ahead. Also said you were struck by what they didn't ask. Very much. No one, to my recollection, asked. So what? What's coming next from the Russians? How now this we... is amazing. This is amazing. George Stephanopoulos knows when he's asking this question that we now have information that Susan Rice, the National Security Advisor to the President of the United States. In August of 2016, in order to do a massive cover-up for Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, told the cybersecurity team at the White House to stand down, to not engage the Russians who were interfering with our election, to not provide the President of the United States with, with an options memo, because it would, quote-unquote, box him in. And so now, you see, it's on Trump's head. He didn't ask, what's next? What should we do with the Russians and so forth? Now, let me tell you something. Had he done that, Comey would have spun that and twisted that to say he was trying to interfere with our investigation. So Trump couldn't win at all because Trump was in this meeting as an honest broker, as a president-elect, and Comey was in there with an agenda. With an agenda. Trump didn't run back and take memos and take notes about what he said. Comey did because they were self-serving. Go ahead. It. What's the future look like? It was all, what can we say about what they did and how it affects the election that we just had? And uh, 
Just just appalling. Here's uh, cut to go. Comey then asked to meet alone with Trump to warn him about that now infamous Steele dossier. Now, I'm- stop. I believe he met alone with Trump now. I think it's more than obvious. To hang this over Trump's head as a threat about the dossier. Now I believe it was a threat. Look what I had, Mr. President. I've now sent all the other people out of the room. Now it's just you and me. Tell me, how often does an FBI director do that? Go ahead. Fight information on Trump's ties to Russia, including allegations of Trump's encounters with prostitutes in Moscow. I'm about to meet with a person who doesn't know me. He's just been elected president of the United States by all accounts. And from my watching him during the campaign could be volatile. And I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. Was there any choice there? uh, Why, if this was salacious and this particular part of the dossier unverified, still unverified, by the way? Yes. So far as when I got fired, it was unverified. I want to get back into this. I want to get back into this because the truth is he didn't tell him what was in the dossier. He summarized what was in the dossier. He didn't hand him a copy of the dossier either. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Blasting conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. All right, let's play that clip again where Comey talks to Trump, he says, about the dossier. Cut to go. Comey then asked to meet alone with Trump to warn him about that now infamous Steele dossier. Now, why would Comey need to do that? Why would Comey need to warn him about the now infamous Steele dossier? Why would Comey be doing that? To give him a heads up about the allegations that are in it? And then when the president focuses on some of that, he's criticized by Comey. Why is he doing that? To carry favor with the president? The president-elect? Or to tell the president-elect, look what I have here. Look what I have here on you. I mean, Comey clears the room. Well, it's because we didn't want the president to be embarrassed. Of course you did. The information in that dossier has been leaked. Or would be leaked. Go ahead. Verified information on Trump's ties to Russia, including allegations of Trump's encounters with prostitutes in Moscow. I'm about to meet with a person who doesn't know me. He's just been elected president of the United States by 
And what I'm saying right here, ladies and gentlemen, is that he did this so the president would think he, Comey, had leverage over him. Go ahead. There, uh, why, if this was salacious, and this particular part of the dossier unverified, still unverified, by the way? Yes. So far as when I got fired, it was unverified. <laughs> But now, you know, I don't know because I'm an ex-FBI director. Unverified. Unverified. Did Stephanopoulos follow up and say, well, weren't you going to pay this guy, Christopher Steele? How did you get this dossier in the first place? Did you use the dossier for FISA application? If you didn't use the dossier for FISA application, shouldn't you at least have told the court where this came from? None of that, of course. Cut three, go. Did you tell him that the Steele dossier had been financed by his political opponents? No. I didn't, I didn't even think I used the term Steele dossier. I just talked about additional material. Did, but did he have a right to know that? That it had been financed by his political opponents? I don't know the answer to that. It wasn't necessary for my goal, which was to alert him that we had this information. Whoa, 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 whoa. More importantly, even though you didn't tell the president-elect, you knew that it was financed by the political opposition. You knew. What did you do about that? You see, Stephanopoulos just doesn't have a mind for this. Stephanopoulos is coming at this from a completely different direction. See, I'd want to know about Comey. I want to know what Comey did. Not what he thought about the president. Whether he liked the president's skin color or his eyes. or I don't care about any of that. Go ahead. Did you get? I think it's All right, the question he asks is how graphic did you get? Go ahead. Tell him about the allegation was that he had been involved with prostitutes in a hotel in Moscow in 2013 during a visit for the Miss Universe pageant and that the Russians had uh, filmed the episode. Now imagine, imagine being the president-elect and you're sitting there. And the director of the FBI says, I have this dossier. Doesn't tell you where he got it from. Just, just think about this. One-on-one meeting. Sends everybody out. Mr. President, what do you know about this dossier I have here? The Russians claim to have a film of you with prostitutes urinating on your bed and urinating on you. Now, he provides no context for this. Comey. He doesn't say this was paid for by the political opposition, in which case Trump's response would be quite different, right? Instead, he just lays it out there as if it's fact. Go ahead. Did very defensively and started talking about it. You know, do I look Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, would you be very defensive if somebody accused you of something like that and you did, had nothing to do with it? I'd be furious. I might be like Hillary Clinton and throw something across the room. 
Go ahead. It's hookers, and I assumed he was asking that rhetorically. I didn't answer that, and I just moved on and, and explained, sir, I'm not saying that we credit this, I'm not saying we believe it. We just thought it very important that you know. Did you tell But him? you know, and you knew it was funded by the opposition. You knew it wasn't true. You knew it came from the Russians, and you dropped it in the president-elect's lap, and, you, and now you're criticizing his reaction. You didn't give him any of the context. You didn't tell him who paid for it. You didn't tell him that it really wasn't true. You didn't believe it, and so forth and so on. Go ahead. You thought it wasn't true, or you didn't know if it was true or not? I never said, I don't believe it, because I, I couldn't say one way or another. Well, of course you could say one way or another, by telling him who funded it. But you didn't. But you didn't. And now you're writing about it like there's something wrong with Trump's reaction. Let's continue. Cut four. How weird was that briefing? Really weird. Well, then why did you have it? You're the one who asked for the briefing. Then why did you do it? It's a weird briefing, ladies and gentlemen. He goes in there and tells the president-elect, look, we we have this dossier. The Russians say they have... uh, tape of you uh, with prostitutes in Moscow and they're urinating on you or they're urinating on the bed and some now that's weird that's sick and now he's saying that the interview that the meeting was weird it was weird because of him and what he brought up go ahead how weird was that briefing really weird it was almost an out-of-body experience for me. Oh, I was floating above guy. myself, looking down. Oh, cut out with the drama queen crap, you idiot. I was floating above, I was sitting there, I was looking, yeah, looking down at myself. Go ahead. You're sitting here briefing the incoming president of the United States about prostitutes in Moscow. Well, why did you do it? He didn't ask you to do it. It was a setup. By the Clinton campaign and the DNC... And the wash through through that law firm. And then Fusion GPS. Christopher Steele onto the Russians. Trump is the victim here. You're, you're going in there. You're giving him the most salacious stuff that's in the dossier. And then you're mocking him for his response. Oh, it was surreal, you know. I was floating above it. Floating above myself. Looking down saying... You're briefing the incoming president of the United States about prostitutes in Moscow? You idiot. Go ahead. January 27th. At a private dinner in the White House, President Trump raises the issue again. Says he may want me to investigate it to prove that it didn't happen. And then he says uh, something that distracted me because he said, you know, if there's even a 1% chance my wife thinks that's true, that's terrible. Now, let's just stop. He wants him to investigate it because he knows it's BS and he still doesn't know the president of the United States. Now it's January 27th. Where this came from? Where this came from? Comey knows where it came from. And so you're the president of the United States now. Weeks have passed. This still is bothering you that that these allegations were made, brought to you by the FBI director. You said, you need to investigate that and find out what the hell's going on. If there's a 1% chance my wife thinks that's true, it's terrible. And he finds, again, Trump's comments outrageous. Go ahead. And I, and I remember thinking, 
How could your wife think there's a 1% chance you were with prostitutes peeing on I don't know, pal, but you seem to refuse to dismiss it. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm a flawed human being, but there's literally zero chance that my wife would think that was true. So what kind of marriage to what kind of man does your wife think there's only a 99% chance you didn't do that? And I said to him, sir, when he started talking about it, I may order you to investigate that. I said, sir, that's up to you. But you'd want to be careful about that because it might create a narrative that we're investigating you personally. And second, it's very difficult to prove something didn't happen. So, so p- put yourself in Trump's position. What's he supposed to do? He's saying, investigate this. It's dishonest. It's not true. Oh, well, you know, if we investigate this, people will think we're investigating you. So here you have this noxious allegation that is sitting there that Comey brought to the president-elect. It's still sitting there when he's president of the United States. And he wants it addressed because he's being wronged by somebody. And he still doesn't know that Hillary and the DNC are behind it because Comey doesn't tell him. Does this seem like normal behavior by, a, by an FBI director to you folks? Go ahead. Did you believe his denial? Honestly, never thought. Who cares if he believed his denial? Who cares? You're talking to a disgruntled, former, fired FBI director. Why would you ask him such a dumbass question? Excuse me, such a dumb question. Go ahead. It would come out of my mouth, but I don't know whether the, the current president of the United States... Oh, is- yeah, yeah, yeah. Real schmo. Now, there's more. That's enough. That's the nuts and bolts of the interview where you're supposed to stay up Sunday night at 10 p.m. and watch Jim Comey and Stephanopoulos. That's the nuts and bolts of it. They put out their best stuff. Does that entice you? Let me put this question out to you callers out there, to the Levinites. Does this entice you to watch ABC News to jack up their ratings and their advertising sales with Jim Comey? Does this entice you to buy Jim Comey's book? That's, these are the questions I have for you. Mr. Call Screener, let's make sure we get callers who address those specific questions. We'll be right back. Mark in. The report's out now, by the way, we may get into this more deeply later, that uh, the president really wants to hammer Syria and teach him a lesson once and for all, and that uh, General Mattis is kind of holding back. I just hope General Mattis isn't our General McClellan. I really do. Because now he's actually in charge. Not a general reporting to a general reporting to a general. He's actually in charge over there at the Pentagon as the civilian Secretary of State, uh, uh, Secretary of Defense. But there's still leaking coming out of these meetings. Somebody's still leaking about what's being discussed. And I see that John Bolton has axed four or five, whatever, people out of the National Security Council, some of the Obama holdovers and others, and that's a good thing. But somebody is still leaking. One of the holdovers is still leaking. And he or she knows who he or she is. And they're doing a grave disservice to this country. 
Now, folks, if you've been paying attention to the news lately, and you Levinites do, one of the themes that you've probably heard over and over again is the systematic censorship of conservative voices. This is very important. You've seen the whistleblowers from the biggest names in the Silicon Valley elites admit that conservative points of view are actively being quashed. Now you have people out there who say, let's regulate it. I don't believe the government should regulate much, certainly not speech, even if we don't like it. And that includes social platforms. So what we need to do, of course, is build platforms and enterprises to compete against them. That's what Americans do. This is why you need CRTV, Conservative Review TV. We don't make any bones about who we are. If you're still getting your media from these social media giants or the liberal mainstream media, you're just not getting the whole story. Now, we started Levin TV over two years ago as a way to fight back against the mainstream media and to make sure our subscribers had a source that they could actually trust. And now, just over a little year after launching CRTV, our our network, we've added more than a dozen new shows. Phil Robertson, Andrew Wilkow, Steve Crowder, so many wonderful programs. New ways to watch, embracing new technologies. And we're now the biggest conservative media platform you'll find anywhere. My father, who's almost 93, watches CRTV on his smart TV through Roku. And he watches it every night. He loves it. Now, we're not done. Try us out for 30 days, absolutely free. 30 days, absolutely free. And use promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, and you'll save 10 bucks off the annual pass. The annual pass is $99. It's been the same price since we started. And you can get it for $89, but you'll get 30 days absolutely free to check us out. Now, considering all the hosts that we have, And all the production that we're doing for the entire year. You can't get cable for that much for one month. You can't get satellite that much for one month. We're doing it for the entire year. For the entire year. So give us a call. It's a great time to start. It's Friday evening. It's a great time to jump in. Our folks are there. We're not the government. We don't shut down. Call 844-LEVIN-TV, and we'll get you all set up. We'll make it real easy for you, regardless of your age. We'll show you how to do it. 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. Don't let another weekend go by without checking us out. Seriously, there's millions and millions of you out there. We're doing spectacularly well, but there's many of you who aren't participating. You can hear me in your cars right now, in your trucks right now, at the dinner table. Just give us a shot. 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. I do 150 to 200 shows a year. A year. And so I hope you'll check us out. And I'm just one of the programs. 844-LEVIN-TV. All right. Let's take a call here. Doug in Trenton, New Jersey, the great WABC. Are you going to watch... At 10 p.m. Sunday night, Comey and Stephanopoulos. Yeah, I would love to see it. Um, I think it would be very interesting to see Comey and Stephanopoulos. Sure. Hey, uh, Mark, my name is Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L. Thanks for your call. No, no, we don't do names, spelling last names. I don't know if he is Doug, whomever he said. We're not going to do that. 
I have to be very careful about that sort of thing. Everybody knows that. You don't go on a talk show and give your last name and then start spelling it. Will, Sadler, Texas, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark. Pleasure to speak with you, man. You're a great American. Thank you. I, I just want to say that, uh, so Comey um, goes into these meetings with Trump, and he knows full well that the dossier is fake, that it's all just fiction. Why Why didn't he tell Trump who paid for it? Yeah, and I don't even know why they need to pay for it, because it was all just, just made up. There's there's no verifying it, and then he sends it to the FISA court. And that's, now keep that's something in mind. The FISA court had already used it. In other words, that was in October, and he's talking to the president, or the president-elect in early January, and then the president uh, in, in late January. It, so he, he already knows that. That is, uh, that is Comey. Yeah, and, and, he, and he never verified it, which is protocol right they they're supposed to verify it before well, they i don't know what their protocol is but we know it wasn't verified because it's false yeah so no what he didn't do what they didn't do is tell that court who funded it just like they didn't tell the president-elect who funded it because immediately there'd be all kinds of suspicions wouldn't there yeah well i have a feeling that the, the judge knew all about it anyways he was well trying. we have no idea we, we don't know that all right my friend we'll be right back folks Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. This is our two. Our number, 877 Now... Having moved from one slime ball, Jim Comey, we move to the next slime ball. McCabe. Former Deputy FBI Director McCabe. The Washington Compost is so concerned about McCabe and his wife that they've, of course, enabled them to write op-eds in the pages of the Washington Compost, which is why I call it the Washington Compost. Now, page two of the Inspector General's report that came out today, a report that is absolutely devastating to McCabe, chapter and verse, about what kind of a man, or lack thereof, this guy is. And I want you to remember how the media came to his defense, how the Democrats came to his defense, how some Republicans came to his defense, and wondered why he was being so so quickly removed. I mean, after all, he has his pension. Anybody care about attorney Michael Cohen's pension? No, I don't think so. Page two of the Inspector General's report from the Department of Justice kind of sums things up. Andrew McCabe lied to FBI Director Comey, and by the way, he's under investigation for leaking now, too. McCabe lied to FBI Director Comey, lied to FBI agents under oath, and he lied to the Department of Justice's Office of Inspector General Investigators, under oath on two occasions. Now, he lied to Comey that McCabe hadn't authorized the leak to the Wall Street Journal and didn't know who did. We found that in a conversation with then-Director Comey shortly after the Wall Street Journal article was published. McCabe lacked candor when he told Comey or made statements that led Comey to believe 
that McCabe had not authorized the disclosure. He did not know who did. The conduct violated FBI Offense Code 2.5, lack of candor, on page 2. So there was a leak. It was involving areas that McCabe was familiar with. He was asked about it. He denied that he authorized it when, in fact, he had. Lined her oath to FBI INSD agents that he hadn't authorized the leak to the Wall Street Journal and didn't know who did. IG says we also found that on May 9, 2017, when questioned under oath by FBI agents for INSD, I assume that's internal affairs, McCabe lacked candor when he told the agents that he had not authorized a disclosure to the Wall Street Journal and did not know who did. This conduct violated FBI Offense Code 2.6. Now, we further found that on July 28, 2017, when questioned under oath, again, by the Office of Inspector General in a recorded interview, McCabe lacked candor when he stated that he was not aware of special counsel having been authorized to speak to reporters around October 30, and that because he was not in Washington, D.C. on October 27 and 28, 2016, he was unable to say where special counsel was or what she was doing at that time. This would be Paige. She was the general counsel. He knew where she was. He knew all about the leak. He authorized the leak. So his conduct, again, violated FBI Offense Code 2.6. We additionally found that on November 29, 2017, when questioned under oath by the Office of Inspector General in a recorded interview, during which he contradicted his prior statements by acknowledging that he had authorized a disclosure to the Wall Street Journal, McCabe lacked candor when he stated that he told Comey on October 31, 2016, that he had authorized a disclosure to the Wall Street Journal, denied telling INSD agents on May 9 that he had not authorized a disclosure to the Wall Street Journal, and asserted that INSDN's questioning of him on May 9 about the October 30 Wall Street Journal article occurred at the end of an unrelated meeting when one of the agents pulled him aside and asked him one or two questions about the article. Now, on November 29, McCabe told the Inspector General's office that on October 30, 2016, he told Comey that he had authorized his special counsel, this general counsel, to disclose details of a phone conversation he had with a Justice Department official. He said that Comey did not react negatively to the information. But Comey's account was different. Comey told investigators that he thought the call was problematic because it related to sensitive FBI information and was unauthorized, unless either he or McCabe authorized it and Comey knew that he had not authorized it. Comey told the Office of Inspector General that prior to the article's publication, he did not have any discussions with McCabe regarding disclosure. According to Comey, he discussed the issue with McCabe after the article was published, And at the time, McCabe definitely did not tell me that he authorized the disclosure. Comey said that McCabe gave him the exact opposite impression. He said that McCabe definitely did not tell me that he authorized the leak. I don't remember exactly how, but I remember some form or fashion. And it could have been like, can you believe this crap? How does this stuff get out kind of thing? Comey told the office of inspector general. But I took from whatever communication we had that he wasn't involved in it. So the man is a serial liar in the case of McCabe, much like Comey. There were your two heads of the FBI, the director and the deputy director. 
And this was the buzzsaw that President Trump inherited and was up against. Two very flawed men in very powerful and high positions trying to destroy him even before he walked into the Oval Office. McCabe is a leaker. Comey's a leaker. And the fact that Comey is embraced by ABC and put on TV, the fact that a publisher embraced him and he writes a book, the fact that people promote this sort of thing is really quite appalling. He, he should be shamed. But in our culture today, and in our politics today, as long as you're against the quote-unquote right person or for quote-unquote the right person, you can get away with stuff like this. And of course, who's under investigation? The president, his lawyer, a former lieutenant general of the, uh, in the military, and, all, and, and so forth and so on. It's quite appalling, but all this stuff about McCabe, all these defenders of McCabe, they're very quiet tonight. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? They're very, very quiet tonight. All the media types, all the frauds and malcontents on MSLSD and CNN, all wringing their hands. Poor McCabe. Fired. And, of course, McCabe was blaming Trump, wasn't he? In his op-ed in the Washington Compost, he blamed Trump, and the Washington Compost was thrilled. His wife went to the pages of the Washington Compost with an op-ed, also attacking the President of the United States. For demeaning her family. And by the way, this doesn't even get to all that McCabe did, including using government email and government time to try and advance his wife's campaign in the state of Virginia, where she was running for a state Senate seat. And of course, she lost. So that's really quite remarkable. The level of corruption at the top levels of the FBI. Tell me, why didn't Obama ever fire Comey? Now let's think about this. Why didn't Obama fire Comey? Maybe he liked Comey. Maybe he liked what Comey was doing. I mean, this didn't start under Trump. This was going on under Obama. The leaking was going on under Obama. The conniving. Collusion, if you will, going on under Obama. The president fires this, this Comey, this skunk, And as a result of that, a special counsel is appointed to investigate him. Absolutely incredible. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So do you think the Comey interview will have massive ratings? Are you planning on watching it on Sunday? Some cable channels are even producing shows in anticipation of the Comey interview on Sunday. Is this something that is... Uh, is it going to be on your radar screen? Do you really care what Comey has to say as he hawks his book? Claudia, Eagle, Idaho, Sirius Satellite, how are you? Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. I'm so glad to get in and speak with you. Thank you. All right, so we're talking about, uh, or Comey's talking about the president's behaviors. Well, let's look at Comey's behavior. He's in front of Congress testifying and admits that he leaked 
Of course, he doesn't want to purge himself because this could all be found out later. But he just breezes by that as if it's all right, as, he, as if he can fool all of us here in this country that it's all right to be a leaker. It's so mm-hmm. matter of fact. He did a good thing. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it. I think he's a, a terrible person for having done that. And then he talked about, you mentioned this just a little bit ago, that he was so out, having an out-of-body experience. Will you be, uh, will you be watching him? No, I will not. Are you going to buy his book? No, I will not. And I All think it right. was a poor investment on the uh, publisher's side. Well, the left will go nuts. They'll buy it just because it's Comey. Thank you for your call, Claudia. Bill, Mitchell, Indiana, XM Satellite. What do you think? Hello, Mark. Yes, Bill. Go right ahead. I, I heard your question and had to call. I decided that uh, we are not going to... Uh, buy or read J. Edgar Comey's book. Mm-hmm. We we buy Charmin. We buy Charmin. Yeah, we don't need it. Oh, oh, I got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right, Bill. Thanks for your call. Van, Seattle, Washington, XM Satellite. How are you? Hey, what's going on, Mark? Nice to talk to you, buddy. Um, thank you. So, yeah, I'm not. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, there's no way I'm watching that uh, Comey show. Um, First of all, he sits up there in front of Congress and talks about how, well, he, pretty much he played the victim, in my mm-hmm. eyes. Like, mm-hmm. he couldn't do anything, and he the FBI director. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> and, just for, <laughs> and so just for your information, um, I just started listening to your show, and I'm becoming yes, a huge fan. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so, and, and of course, I get all kinds of flack up here in Seattle, but who cares, of course. right? Who cares? <laughs> But anyway, man, uh, keep fighting the good fight for us. I hear you. I'm not watching that show, and I'm not buying that book. He's a leaker. He's a traitor, in my opinion, and that's all I got to say more. Van, God bless you. Thanks, buddy. Keep listening. I just asked a simple question. I'm not leading any kind of boycott. Are you going to buy his book? Are you going to watch his show? Do you, have a, do you really care what Comey has to say? Can he be trusted? Stephen Leesburg, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Big fan of the show. Um, Thank you. The only way I would watch the show is if, or any interview that Comey would give, because I'm sure he's going to be on every major outlet in the coming weeks, um, mm-hmm. is if, you know, a journalist would, uh, quote-unquote journalist, would ask him if, um, you know, he had a higher loyalty to the uh, children in Parkland, Florida, that, you know, the FBI under his leadership let down. Um, you know, he was busy investigating. No, I think he was. I think he was gone. Was he gone? Was he yeah, he was gone. Wasn't he? Yeah, he was I, gone. When was he fired? I, he was fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was gone. Yeah, he was gone. He yeah. was gone when it happened. But what I'm saying, the FBI was on to this kid for a long time. So yeah, and, but but based on what we know, the timing, he was gone. Okay, but McCabe, I, but McCabe wasn't gone. Okay. Well. Well. Okay. So that that's my point. Is you know. You know, they're investigating something that is completely, obviously false, and under his almost own admission, he knows it's false. So, um, you know, you know, stop. Why, why do you think? I mean, don't you find it amazing? We all know what Comey is. He's he is a dirtbag. Don't you find it amazing that the media continue to promote this man? They get behind his book sales effort and his promotional effort and so forth. I mean, are not the media also tainting themselves in a serious way here? 
it, it, it's ridiculous. It, it's completely unserious. Um, and, you know, um, as, as you say on your show a lot, you know, half the country, if not more, um, sees what it is. And, you know, they probably won't be uh, tuning into this to this interview. I, and, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, 10 o'clock on Sunday night, a lot of people got to go to work. So they're going to be sleeping. No, no, I go to work, too, at 10 o'clock Sunday night. You, too. All right, my friend. Thanks for your call. It's called my Fox show. But that's not even why I'm bringing this up. I don't plan on watching this. I wouldn't watch it if it were on, you know, at noon. Or three in the afternoon. Or nine in the morning. Or whenever it is. This is exactly what they want us to do. Let's go to Dave Lincoln, Nebraska. Sirius Satellite. Go right ahead. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you bet. First off. Uh, I have Levin TV. I got your books. I listen to your show. Thank there you, sir. There is absolutely no way on earth that I'm going to watch that interview or buy that book. And let mm-hmm. me tell you why. Because I think that the only time I want to watch anything that has anything to do with him or his counterpart, McCabe, or anybody, is if they televised their trial. Yeah, and right. I and then when that day comes... Let me, let me tell you something, Dave. We reached out to uh, Mr. Comey's publicist, right? They want to sell books, correct? Yep. And uh, they didn't answer us, right, Rich? So his publicist, for his publisher, didn't even respond to us because Comey's a coward. So he doesn't want to come on this show. And I don't think he'll go on any show that will give him a tough time. I honestly don't. We've asked the Deputy Attorney General of the United States to come on this show. They all but laughed at us. Of course. <laughs> can hardly blame them, to tell you the truth. But he won't come on the show. All these tough prosecutors and tough former prosecutors, they're really tough when they're hiding behind the uh, public trust and the public office and spitting out subpoenas and getting warrants. But when you want to have a one-on-one conversation with them, you know, where you're on equal, equal footing, that's when they're cowards. They don't want to do it. All right, sir, thank you for your call. Now, I've been watching this Michael Cohen stuff, too, this lawyer for Trump. I've never talked to this man in my life. I've never met this man that I know of. And so these federal prosecutors going to federal court in front of this Kimba Woods or whatever her name is. And uh, with a snap of a finger, they're saying, well, he wasn't really a lawyer. He's never really practiced law. We're interested in his business activities, you know. Now, that's very clever. And I hope the judge is smart enough, although I'm not sure, to understand that that is a way for the prosecutors to get her to paint with a broad brush, treat him as if he's not a lawyer. There's a lot of lawyers who don't quote-unquote practice law, but they do legal things. And that's not even the point. And the judge needs to understand what attorney-client privilege means. It is a privilege that goes to the client. And if the client believes that the lawyer is lawyering, if the client's going to the lawyer for assistance on business matters or anything else, there's a privilege. And the only way you can violate the privilege is with the crime fraud exception. And if he is committing crimes or plotting crimes as a lawyer, giving advice to a client and vice versa, then they have to make the case to the judge. But they can't simply say, we're only interested in his activities as a in terms of his business activities. Now, that doesn't work that way, but we'll see if we have a smart judge or just another hack. I'll be right back. 
Jess Patton of Talk Radio. Call him at 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. Ladies and gentlemen, sure you could have surgery to look younger. Why on earth would you do that? Listen to Joanne from Connecticut. My husband looks 10 years younger using Genesil. He saw results the first day he used it. The first day. I've also had remarkable results. Can't be without it. Now, folks, I know Chamonix products work. My good friend Teddy uses them. He loves them. I have family members who use it. They love it. Imagine the bags and puffiness under your eyes gone. That's years off your appearance. Genesel for Chamonix is an easy choice. Genesel contains natural ingredients for incredible results safely and quickly. It's as simple as that. In fact... With immediate effects, you'll see results like Joanne in as little as 12 hours or your money back guaranteed. I want to emphasize that. You'll see results in as little as 12 hours or your money back guaranteed. And right now, it's the perfect time to try Chamonix's brand new Genesel Eyelid Lift for droopy, sagging eyelids. Order Genesel today and get the brand new Genesel Eyelid Lift absolutely free. Go to Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com, or call their toll-free number, 800-SKIN-604. Now's the time to do it. And call now, and express shipping is also free, so you'll get it right away. Call 800-SKIN-604. This is the special number, 800-SKIN-604. Or go to their website at Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com. Again, it's Friday evening, it's the perfect time to do it. 800 skin 604. Now the case of Scooter Libby. Name from the past, right? Unfortunately, President George W. Bush commuted Scooter Libby's sentence, but he didn't give him a full pardon. And it was shameful. The Vice President of the United States, Dick Cheney, lobbied the president, George W. Bush, to give him a full pardon. Other advisors lobbied President George W. Bush against it. Scooter Libby's life was all but destroyed. His finances were destroyed. He lost his law degree for a period of time. He was accused of leaking the name of Valerie Plame to a reporter by the name of Bob Novak, who was an old friend of mine, when he didn't leak her name at all. Not to anyone. In fact, as the reports go, it was the Deputy Secretary of State who worked for Colin Powell, Richard Armitage. At least that's what the report said. Colin Powell knew it, but he never said a word. Jim Comey knew that Scooter Libby hadn't leaked. He was the Deputy Attorney General of the United States under Bush. Nonetheless, he appointed a special counsel to investigate this matter. He appointed a man by the name of Patrick Fitzgerald. Very aggressive prosecutor. Another very close friend of Comey's. In fact, Patrick Fitzgerald is the godfather of one of Comey's children. 
or vice versa. But that's how close they are. Patrick Fitzgerald went after Scooter Libby. Went after Scooter Libby. Even though Libby had done absolutely nothing wrong. Nothing. And uh, long story short, uh, Scooter Libby pled. Actually, uh, Scooter Libby was charged. He had to go through a trial and so forth. And uh, the fact of the matter is he was wrongly pursued. And Comey knew it, and Fitzgerald knew it. So the President of the United States today pardoned Scooter Libby. He erased his entire, the entire criminal charges and so forth against him. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's an innocent man, another one, that the Comey mob, the Comey gang, one after. You see what's going on in this country. The targeting of Scooter Libby. Comey involved in that with his henchman, Patrick Fitzgerald. The targeting of the president's private lawyer. The targeting of the president's first national security advisor. The targeting of the president's family. You see what's taking place here. The targeting of the president's campaign manager. I look at this Michael Cohen situation. They say, we've been investigating him for months now, they tell a federal judge. On bank fraud and wire fraud. By the way, people can throw those phrases around all they want. Bank fraud, wire fraud. Doesn't mean anybody's committed those offenses. I don't know. But prosecutors throw these terms around and you're supposed to say, well, I don't know about this guy. Well, we don't know about this guy. Just because allegations are made. But you need to ask yourself, so why are they investigating Michael Cohen now, or even two months ago? Why did they decide to investigate Manafort now on matters that they're charging him with that took place years ago? Why? Uh, I think we know why. This is really absolutely horrific stuff. Patrick Fitzgerald, for what he did, to Scooter Libby should pay a price, a professional price and a legal price for what he did. But no, he's gone off to make a mint as a lawyer with a major firm, I believe in Chicago. He was the U.S. attorney there. Jim Comey should pay a huge price for what he's done. But no, he gets these, these big interviews with these media outlets, and he's going to have a best-selling book. Mr. Mueller's deputy, Weissman, who was admonished by a federal court and uh, charges that he brought, he had to get off the Enron task force, but charges he had brought involving Merrill Lynch, among others, were reversed by the Supreme Court 9-0. to zero. And now he's the deputy special counsel. The special counsel, Mr. Mueller, and I've laid this out like nobody else, his hands are filled with filth in the mob cases involving uh, Boston. 
the Whitey Bulger matter. You had four made men, four mobsters, who served virtually life in prison. Two of them died there, as I explained the other day. By the way, have you noticed when I dig deeply into this stuff that all of a sudden it starts to resonate, other hosts start to talk about this stuff? Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. But this is a very weird business I'm in, isn't it, Rich? Rich, my lifelong producer here. It's very odd. Very weird. But that's all right. And, of course, the anthrax case. None of these men should be prosecutors ever again. None of these men should be law, in law enforcement ever again. And Rod Rosenstein, which is Rosenstein, he's as contemptible as all the rest of them. Absolutely contemptible. To see so many innocent people, so many lives torn to pieces over what? Over what? Because they didn't back the right candidate? Because they didn't serve in the right administration? I mean, seriously. <coughs> New York Times thinks that Comey's book is unbelievably good. This would be the same New York Times that tried to cover up the Holocaust. Again, I spent time on that yesterday. So Comey comes out with this petty book, which is intended to settle scores. To settle scores. And it said that Comey is breaking his silence. Comey's not breaking his silence. He's a leaker. He is contemptible. There's a great piece in the uh, American Spectator, spectator spectator.org, by George Neumeyer. He says, Jim Comey deserves a special place in the annals of sanctimonious frauds in Washington, D.C. He leaked, lied, bent rules, treated FBI material as his own personal property, violated confidential conversations, and generally acted like a government unto himself. But now he has the gall to write it all up in a sanctimonious, nonsensical language of constitutional crisis. His forthcoming memoir amounts to nothing more than the sour grapes of a self-serving operator over a wholly justified sacking. That's good stuff. The media are already burbling over his fatuous contents. Ever the leaker, Comey tossed a pre-publication morsel of gossip from the book to the liberals at the Daily Beast. Comey's claim that General Kelly commiserated with him over his dishonorable firing. The White House has denied the claim. So Comey's already cashing in on betraying, on betraying confidences, all while lecturing others about loyalty and probity. What Comey calls higher loyalty is just adherence to the interests of an unaccountable ruling class and the needs of his own ego. Comey slithered out of the swamp and now plays the great conscience of Washington. He sighs, looks heavenward, quotes Ronald Newber tries hard to look very thoughtful, only to relay low hearsay and peddle anti-Trump dreck. Who cares? Comey's wounded ego is not a constitutional crisis. The scandal is not he lost his exalted job, but that such a pompous creep once held the job. (coughs) To understand the depth of Comey's leaking and lying, all you have to do is go back and look at his scummy maneuvering in response to Trump's wiretap tweets. Those tweets turned out to be entirely accurate. The Obama administration was intercepting communications at Trump Tower, both during the campaign and the transition. Comey knew perfectly well that Trump was right. FBI agents had been sifting through the Trump Tower records of Carter Page and Paul Manafort. 
but he sent his team out to lie about Trump's tweets anyway. I know that for a fact, because I was hammered like hell, too. <clears throat> Comey had a story placed in the New York Times shortly after Trump's tweets. Quote, Comey asked Justice Department to reject Trump's wiretapping claim, unquote. It quoted Comey's leakers, senior American officials, as saying that Trump's assertions were fake and false, and that the FBI director had asked the Justice Department to refute it. As Comey's stenographer, the New York Times wrote up his lie in its illimitable smearing style. The print from when I printed out this article is so bad. I'm really, I have one eye closed and I'm trying to read it. Okay. Mr. Comey's request is a remarkable rebuke. This is the New York Times at the time. Of a sitting president putting the nation's top law enforcement official in the position of questioning Mr. Trump's truthfulness. The confrontation between the two is the most serious consequence of Mr. Trump's weekend Twitter outburst, and it underscores, for, for, uh, it underscores the dangers of what the president and his aides have unleashed by accusing a former president of a conspiracy to undermine Mr. Trump's young administration. That was the New York Slimes. So here was an FBI director using the front page of a newspaper to libel a sitting president, all while a FISA warrant based on Hillary's campaign research, which gave Comey the power to reach into Trump Tower, sat on his desk. In retrospect, the article is laughably dishonest, with the New York Times pretending to wonder why Comey chose to leak a denial to it, rather than make a formal denial. It wasn't much of a puzzle. He was lying his head off. But the New York Times struck an innocent tone. Here's what else they said. It is not clear why Mr. Comey did not issue a statement himself. He's the most senior law enforcement official who has kept on the job as the Obama administration gave way to the Trump administration. And while the Justice Department applies for intelligence gathering warrants, the FBI keeps its own records and is in a position to know whether Mr. Trump's claims are true. While intelligence officials do not normally discuss the existence or non-existence of surveillance warrants, no law prevents Mr. Comey from issuing the statement. But he didn't. Meanwhile, Comey sat back as Jim Clapper, another dolt he could manipulate, reinforced his lie on television, which the New York Times included in its story, to bolster Comey's leak. Think about that. Comey, with the Carter Page warrant in hand, which gave Comey the power to rifle through Trump Tower communications, both past and future, planted a story in the New York Times designed to make Trump look like a lunatic that makes use of a Clapper quote Comey knew to be false. What a weasel. And he knew that he could get away with it, confident that the ruling class would cover for him and split semantic hairs in his favor. In a just age, Comey would have the book thrown at him, not be writing one. It is a measure of our skewed times that an unelected charlatan could subvert the elected chief executive and then emerge from his subversion as a celebrated expert on constitutional loyalty. Sam Johnson would call Comey's higher loyalty the last refuge of a scoundrel. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Taking your car in for an oil change, your mechanic finds something wrong, and surprise, you hit with a huge repair bill? Well, it's happened to me. What happens when you're not covered by the manufacturer's warranty? 
paying out of your own pocket to fix it. That's why I recommend extended vehicle protection from CarShield. If your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, CarShield can save you from paying from high repair bills. Replacing your engine or even a simple sensor can cost thousands. So when you're protected by CarShield, you can even have your favorite mechanic or dealership fix your car. It's your choice. CarShield also provides 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. Car Shield. That's Car Shield. I want you to get it. I have it on our 2010 Camaro. Call 800-CAR-6100, mention code LEVIN, or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN to save 10%. That's carshield.com or 800-CAR-6100. And use LEVIN in both cases, L-E-V-I-N, and you'll save 10%. 800-CAR-6100 or carshield.com, code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. It's a great service. I hope you'll check it out. Carshield.com, code LEVIN. Randy, Tampa, Florida, how are you? Hi, Mark. I, I just wanted to let, let uh, people know that the IG report, they're saying that they can't find an attributable motive for uh, Mr. McCabe to lie. And it seems like they're setting the stage for him not to be charged. No, that's not at all correct. I read the whole report. It's online. Some, uh, I believe it's 40-some pages. I've linked to it on their Facebook. It is a scathing report. And um, you don't even need a reason for somebody like this to uh, to leak and then to lie about it. That's good enough. The motives are irrelevant. It's a uh, uh, what are they called? Anyway, uh, it is it, it, you don't. It, there doesn't have to be a purpose for it other than the fact that it occurred. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Do you suppose we'll still be able to use our Bank America card to get Levin TV? Because they're talking about not letting us use the card for guns. What? Thanks for your call. I have no idea what he's talking about. Did I miss something there? Oh, I see. He's saying uh, Bank of America, you can't use it to buy guns. I didn't know that. We can still use it to buy Levin TV. Yes, Randy. Sorry, I didn't understand what you were talking about. I don't think you're allowed to use... Uh, what? Rubles. Russian rubles. I don't think we take Russian rubles. Is that what it is? A ruble? All right, we'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, Russia keeps denying any role, and certainly Syria's role, in the use of chemical weapons that occurred last weekend in Syria. And yet, they keep vetoing resolutions about the subject at the United Nations. Putin has used chemical weapons against his enemies, in Britain, as well as other places. 
Putin is now claiming that Britain used the chemical weapons in Syria to set up Russia. I mean, Putin's starting to sound like Jim Comey. Meanwhile, we have the code pink Republicans throughout the conservative and pseudo-conservative media who are throwing around the idea that somebody else must have done it. Like the rebels, or maybe the Jews in Israel did it. Because who else wants a war but them, of course? The idea that Syria did it is just unthinkable. I mean, just because they've done it many times before, they're very rational there. I mean, Trump announced we're leaving. Why would they use these weapons now? Well, maybe that's why. But they don't need any reason, do they? They don't need an excuse other than to wipe out pockets that resist. Nikki Haley is quite the remarkable ambassador to the United Nations from the United States. And she tells it like it is. I want you to compare this woman to drama queen Comey. She's a statesman. He's an idiot. But here she was at the United Nations today. Cut nine. Go. Who is it on the council that most exhibits unilateralism when it comes to chemical weapons? It is Russia alone that has stopped at nothing to defend the Syrian regime's multiple uses of chemical weapons. It is Russia alone that killed the joint investigative mechanism which allowed the world to ensure accountability for chemical weapons use in Syria. It is Russia alone that used its veto six times to prevent the condemnation of Assad's use of chemical weapons. It is Russia alone that used its veto 12 times to protect the Assad regime. And to make matters worse, it is Russia alone that had agreed to be the guarantor of the removal of all chemical weapons in Syria. If Russia had lived up to its commitment, there would be no chemical weapons in Syria, and we would not be here today. That is the Russian record of unilateralism. Mm-hmm. So why does Russia keep doing that? Well, you know, because obviously the Brits were the ones that used chemical weapons in Syria. We all know that. Now, you see, when Russia lies like that in such a preposterous way, that is a further implication that Syria did this with Russia's support, if not Russia assistance. More Nikki Haley today at the U.N. Cut 10. Go. This meeting should not be about the so-called unilateral threats. It should be about the multiple actions Russia has taken to bring us to this point. Our president has not yet made a decision about possible actions in Syria. But should the United States and our allies decide to act in Syria, it will be in defense of a principle on which we all agree. It will be in defense of a bedrock international norm that benefits all nations. Let's be clear. Assad's most recent use of poison gas against the people of Duma was not his first, second, third, or even 49th use of chemical weapons. The United States estimates that Assad has used chemical weapons in the Syrian war at least 50 times. Public estimates are as high as 200. 
And thanks to Russia, there was no UN body to determine blame. But we know who did this. Our allies know who did this. Russia can complain all at once about fake news, but no one is buying its lies and its cover-ups. Mm, well, that's not true. You got a, uh, a phalanx of people, including people on the right, who are buying every bit of it. Who are buying every bit of it. Where's the proof that the Syrians did this? And so when somebody like Noah Rothman over a commentary provides proof and does so in a brilliant way, he's dismissed. Why dismiss him? I don't think it's a matter of providing proof. It's that we're up against ideological opposition. Uh, And rather than taking each case on its merits, which is what we should do when it comes to foreign policy and so forth, we apparently have this ideological code pink Republican movement now, uh, which just assumes, even when it comes to Trump, that Trump is being dishonest. Now, why would Trump be dishonest about this? It goes against his every fiber to do anything more in Syria. He's announced that he wants to get us out of Syria. But on the other hand, they see this. This. And then there are the leaks, again, coming out of the White House. Even though uh, it's clear that John Bolton is cleaning out some of the holdovers there, Somebody's still leaking. Somebody in these meetings is still leaking because they're leaking to the New York Times, among other publications. That would be the Holocaust-denying New York Times, as I pointed out yesterday. Well, Mark, they didn't technically deny it. Yeah, I know what they did. And uh, they're leaking that Mattis is kind of hesitant, but, you know, there's others in there like Bolton who want to go full speed ahead. So they're trying to create the caricatures out there. They're trying to give Mattis cover. I just hope Mattis isn't our, you know, McClellan. There are great generals and there are great generals, and it depends on the situations they're in. I mean, he's full speed ahead with transgender procedures and service and this and Got it. Got it. But uh, we'll see. But there's still somebody in there some guy or some gal who's still leaking. Now we have Johnny Boehner. Johnny Boehner has blamed me for Hannity and Limbaugh turning on him. Well, I don't know that I have that much power, but I turned on Johnny Boehner a long, long time ago because Johnny attacked conservatives. He lied to us. He helped balloon the budget. Now, apparently, he's all for pot. Did you know that? He's for pot now? Talked about that briefly? He's sitting on some board of some pro-pot organization. Didn't take much. A few, few shekels, and the guy's ready to roll. Of course, he always opposed it, but now that he's not the speaker, he can actually think for himself. Don't you love it? It's like this guy, Trey Gowdy. Once they say they're not going to run again, or once they're out... Now I'm actually free to say what I really believe. So you've been lying to your constituents all this time. Swell. And we knew it. 
as he now prepares to monetize his service in government. You like that, Trey? Anyway, here's Johnny Boehner on CNBC today. Cut 13, go. What about the hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, uh, who were put to jail? For- wait, wait, wait. Who's David Faber of Farber? He's prepared to say millions who are in prison because of marijuana. Hundreds of thousands are in prison for smoking marijuana? That's an idiot statement. And it happens to be false. Start from the top, please. Cut 13. What about the hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, uh, who were put to jail for uh, put in jail for selling uh, marijuana over even your, certainly during your tenure, and part, the millions who got arrested for possession? I mean, it was part of uh, my evolution because I got in the, into the criminal justice reform movement and began to, to see we've got all these jails uh, full of people because they either used some or they had some small possession. No, that's, that's simply not true. Small usages of marijuana or small possessions of marijuana, people are not, our jails are not filled with people like that. I'm not saying there aren't some people like that in in prison, but our jails are not filled with people like that for many reasons. Prosecutors don't have time for stuff like that. Law enforcement, I mean, our jails are loaded, they're crowded, so they prioritize. So here we are with another big lie because now Boehner has decided that he's going to advocate for this. And, and I don't know if he's asked any questions about whether he's getting money to sit on this board or not. I'm just curious about it. Go ahead. Really, it's just, uh, it's not a wise use of our society's money. No, no. Want another drink, Johnny? Cut 14, go. You once said you were... And, and by the way, Johnny Boehner has never had so much attention by the lib media since he's left the speaker slot as he is now advocating for pot. Go figure. Go ahead. You once said you were unalterably opposed to legal marijuana. I know you've talked about the medicinal benefits, and that's really what's driving this. But just to be clear, are you supporting... I'm I'm not opposed to the medicinal benefits. That is, if, if if it's found, and I'm no expert on this, that marijuana has medicinal benefits, you know, in a pill form, people are suffering from cancer or something like this, and this helps relieve the pain... Okay, fine. I don't have any problem with that. That's not what we're talking about. People want to legalize marijuana. Go ahead. Of recreational marijuana in all 50 states? Uh, in the United <laughs> States, each of the states has the right to make that decision. Of course, but and, do you support and, that? Is that what you're advocating for? I'm not advocating for that at all. My position is the states ought to decide. Uh, but there's a big conflict between what the 29 states uh, have done that have legalized some form of, of cannabis use and federal law. Federal government describes this as a Schedule One narcotic. Wow, he's really boned up on this, hasn't he, Mr. Producer? Wow. Anybody wants to know about marijuana, your, your man now is Johnny Boehner. He'll fill you in. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when I was a teenager... 15, 16 years old. I was really enamored with talk radio. Really enamored with talk radio. When I would go to bed at night, I would listen to the radio. I had my Radio Shack transistor radio on the bedside. 
And we only had AM, and I would, and I'd poke around. Well, there was FM, but it was basically music. It was underutilized, but we had mostly AM, and I would take the antenna and put it as high as I could and move it around. I lived right outside of Philadelphia. I was trying to pick up New York radio. And I would try and pick up from time to time, you know, Bob Grant or during the day, I would try and pick up Larry King, who actually did a pretty good show. It wasn't political, but he had interesting guests and local stations as well. Um, there was a buddy of mine, Bill Corsair, who had a show called The Little Rascals on the weekend, and I would stay up all night long. The show went, I'm, guessing, I'm trying to remember, from like 10 at night till 4 in the morning, something like that. And I would stay up and I would call in, and it was a blast, and I still love the Corsairs. I live in the New York area now. So this was always a medium that I enjoyed. And there were local hosts I enjoyed, too, on a station called WWDB. It's not talk anymore in Philadelphia. It was an FM station, believe it or not. And before then, of course, WCAU, which became WPHT. And we're going to have a big announcement about that in the months ahead. So this is something I always loved. And as I got a little older, not much, there was a guy who had a radio program, again, in the middle of the night, from about 11 at night to 4 or 5 in the morning, on Saturday and Sunday nights. And I got to know him, and I contacted him, and I got to meet him. And we became very good friends. I'd say he was eight, nine years older than I, maybe six or seven years, whatever it was, didn't matter. He was solid conservative. And he was on WWDB, this FM station. And as I say, I would drive in and I would sit and watch him do his show. It was actually the first talk show that I spent time, you know, physically being in the studio with somebody like this. And he couldn't have been kinder. And during the breaks, this host, we would talk about the different issues and so forth. And his name was Ken Bohm. Ken Bohm. One of the most decent, smartest people I ever met. Recent years, I've kind of lost touch with him. And I deeply regret that. He was a 1976 Reagan delegate out of Pennsylvania. They were rare, few and far between. And while they were trying to buy off other Reagan delegates, the Ford team was, and some successfully, Bohm and a few of the others wouldn't budge. My buddy Jimmy Burns, Rick A. Bell, a few others. But Bohm wouldn't budge. He was Reagan through and through. He was conservative through and through. He was a patriot through and through. And then he helped found an organization. He helped found an organization, a very important organization, in 1991 called the National Legal and Policy Center with my buddy Pete Flaherty. And uh, Ken passed away today from cancer. I had no idea it was this bad, but it is, obviously, was. And he will be missed greatly by me and many others. It's another gentleman that I worked very, very closely with during the Reagan administration. 
and he worked at the Justice Department. His name was Pat Corton. Pat Corton. And he was our public affairs person who would speak on behalf of Attorney General Meese and the Justice Department during, during our time there. And uh, Pat was a dear friend. And from time to time, and I don't play a lot of golf, but, you know, maybe once or twice a year. I used to. I don't even do that anymore. We'd have a foursome, you know, Pat and me and a couple of our other buddies, old Justice Department guys. We just had a good time. We really were quite bad. Although Pat could hit a pretty straight drive. Just another decent, quality human being that you wanted to be around. And he passed away last week. He had a stroke. And he passed away shortly after that. You know, it's important to live your life. It's important to live your life as best you can. To be the best person you can and the best citizen you can. I just didn't want this show to pass by without mentioning my two buddies. Ken Bohm and Pat Corden. And we'll be right back. If the world seems so confusing, Mark will be glad to clear that up for you. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Well, the prosecutors are uh, uh, leaking again. Well, you know, one of the reasons they went into that Michael Cohen, that private attorney's office, and uh, with a search warrant, grabbed everything, regardless of attorney-client privileges, they keep adding things, you see, they, they keep shifting. Because he actually made that trip to Prague in 2016, even though he denied it. I don't know anything about this, ladies and gentlemen, but if he did make a trip to Prague in 2016, you don't have to go into a lawyer's office and grab every shred of paper his iPhone, his computers, in order to figure that out. We have things called passports. We have other ways of learning these things. You can get less intrusive warrants that do not violate attorney-client privilege. There are many ways to get that information, and the Southern District of New York knows every one of them. So this is now their latest excuse. You know how they keep throwing different justifications out there it's not a successful excuse whether it was payments to this porn star payments to somebody else a trip to Prague you didn't need a warrant to muscle your way into his office his home and his hotel room all that information is available from banks from different types of transaction services and institutions, from travel records. Now, this is this is Soviet style. Ironically, it is Soviet style tactics. It really is, or they are, I should say. Hillsdale College, our great great sponsor. Now, Hillsdale College is educating millions of Americans on freedom and the Constitution, economics, history, other areas through their free online courses. Many of you have taken one. 
They also teach congressional staff and other leaders constitutional principles at the Hillsdale Kirby Center in Washington, D.C. I would strongly encourage you to, to visit there. And I'm sure you've heard about Hillsdale and how they're partnering with charter schools, too. And how every student on their main campus is required to study the Constitution, regardless of whether they major in music or chemistry, mathematics, English, or anything else. Hillsdale does all of this as part of their mission to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty. To help Americans become better citizens, to preserve freedom. Now they're sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence to every public middle school, every public high school principal in America, along with an offer to provide free copies for every one of their students. Find out how you can help in this effort. And how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's Pocket Constitution. You can keep it or give it away. At levinforhillsdale.com. That's levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, you want to put a marker. A marker on the events of the day. I don't just mean this day. The events of the last months, last year. Who has stood for liberty and due process? Who has stood for the Constitution and the rule of law? And who has not? The Democrat Party, the leadership, and the media have exposed themselves as advocates for tyranny. And advocates for tyranny, particularly in relatively free societies, never claim they're advocates for tyranny. As a matter of fact, they conceal who they are and what they support and the language of people who who love freedom. So, in opposing due process, they'll say they're supporting it. In opposing the Constitution, they'll say they're supporting it. In opposing true free speech, they'll say they're supporting it. Which brings me to a remarkable thing. Particularly for younger people out there, Reason.com, which is a libertarian site, quite a good one. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren want the Federal Communications Commission to revoke Sinclair's broadcast licenses. And they say it's to protect free speech. This is written by Matt Welch. How stupid is the panic over Sinclair Broadcast Group's ham-fisted, must-run promotional video decrying fake news? This stupid. Yesterday, 12 senators, including reported presidential aspirants Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Cory Booker, officially requested that the Federal Communications Commission investigate Sinclair's news activities to determine if it conforms to the public interest. If such an inquiry were to uncover distorted news reports, the senators reckoned, that could disqualify Sinclair from holding its existing licenses and put the gabosh to its proposed purchase of Tribune Company television stations. Multiple news outlets report that Sinclair has been forcing local news anchors to read Sinclair-mandated scripts, warning of the dangers of one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Over the protests from local news teams, states the letter, authored by Senator Maria Cantwell of Washington. Maria Cantwell is not well. As strong defenders of the First Amendment guarantees of free speech and freedom of the press, we are alarmed by such practices. 
must-run dictates from Sinclair harm the freedom of the press guaranteed in the First Amendment by turning local journalists into mouthpieces for a corporate and political agenda. FCC Chair Ajit Pai this afternoon responded with a curt thanks but no thanks. He wrote, in light of my commitment to protecting the First Amendment and freedom of the past, I must respectfully decline. I have repeatedly made clear the FCC does not have the authority to revoke a license of a broadcast station based on the content of a particular newscast. I understand that you dislike or disagree with the content of particular news broadcasts, but I can hardly think of an action more chilling of free speech than the federal government investigating a broadcast station because of disagreement with its news coverage or promotion of that coverage. Think about that. Think about that. Some of these people want to be president. It's absolutely scandalous. Now, Pi is currently under investigation, the man who wrote this letter, the chairman, by the FCC's inspector general, who's considering whether he acted improperly when lobbying for TV ownership rule changes in advance of the Sinclair Tribune merger. Sanders and Warren, like most of the contemporary Democratic Party, are dead set against the Supreme Court's 2010 ruling in Citizens United, legalizing the political speech of corporations. You see, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just the Second Amendment they reject. They reject the big chunks of the First Amendment, as they do the Ninth and the Tenth, and aspects of the Fourth and the Fifth. These leftists, truth be told, hate the Bill of Rights. They'll assert them, they'll assert them to defend the radical behavior of their radical constituents, but they hate the Bill of Rights, and they hate the Constitution, and they believe in none of this. This could be Xi in China, Putin in Russia, Maduro in Venezuela, Castro in Cuba. They want the government to investigate the content, the substantive news reporting of a media business in the name of the First Amendment and free speech. And if, and if the government finds that they're not adequately free in their editorial comment, then their license should be pulled. This has received no attention whatsoever on any cable channel, on any satellite channel, on any network channel. None. Yet this goes to the heart of broadcasting. It goes to the heart of broadcasting. It is an abomination. And it's one party that pushes this agenda. With a few miscreants of the Republican Party. And all that Sinclair Broadcasting did, all they did was require their local affiliates to make statements that they support news and not the bastardization of news. That's not a political statement today, is it? Well, apparently it is. Apparently that's bias. But here we have Cantwell, Booker, Warren, Sanders, and eight others demanding that the FCC investigate a broadcast company, its content, its news reporting, 
Does CNN come to their defense? No. Does MSNBC come to their defense? No. Does anybody come to their defense? No. No. Because they're conservative-leaning, at least the corporation is. Or their potential competition. Quite amazing if you think about it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, the United States accuses Syria of using chemical weapons at least 50 times during the course of this war. 50, we've announced today. I'm told there's some kind of announcement coming about Syria in the next 30 minutes. I don't know. I don't know. But I won't be on the air in 30 minutes. You know, my friends at CT Shirts asked if I knew why they sell far more shirts to my listeners than on any other program in America. It's because you see me wearing CT Shirts on my TV show. Or that I share how CT shirts are the finest dress and business casual shirts I own? That they look great tucked or untucked and under a sport coat? I guess you purchase CT shirts because they're the best, and that they are. They're British styled from exceptionally smooth and non-iron cotton, and they come in your choice of colors, collar types, uh, sleeve lengths, and cuffs. I got you a great deal. So now's the time to try CT shirts for the first time, or better yet, add three more CT shirts to your collection. One CT shirt normally costs 100 bucks. Right now you'll get three shirts for just $99. That's 60% off, plus free delivery, a six-month quality guarantee, and free returns. Again, free delivery, six-month quality guarantee, and free returns, plus 60% off. 99 bucks gets you three amazing CT shirts. Go to ctshirts.com slash Levin. ctshirts.com slash L-E-V-I-N. That's ctshirts.com slash Levin. We're monitoring this uh, serious situation. Something may be going on. I don't want to jump the gun. Um, I don't know that it's going on yet. We're monitoring the news sites and the wire services. Um, but we shall see. How much time do I have, Richie? Okay, let's take a quick call. Let us go to Keith, Austin, Pennsylvania, XM Satellite. How are you? Hey, Mark, how are you? Okay. Awesome. It's an honor to talk to you. Thank you. Um, I was just going to comment on the uh, J. Edgar Comey. Yeah. Deal that that guy is the biggest disgrace. You know, I, I was in the Marine Corps for twenty years, and I just can't imagine anyone that took an oath of office disgracing himself, the office, the bureau, the all of it. Just insane. And then McCabe is just as bad. But uh, that that's all I really wanted to say. Yeah, real real poison from the top. And uh, Trump has has done something good in. Uh and removing the one and the other one being removed on his own. Thank you. Apparently there's going to be an announcement in about 10 minutes of some kind involving Syria. As I say, I'll be off the air, but that's what we're being told. I'm not trying to be provocative. I'm not trying to mislead you. I'm telling you what we're being told. Uh, I won't be on the air at the time, so uh, 
We'll pass the baton on. Let us go to Patrick in Croton, New York. Quickly, Levin App, how are you? Mr. Levin, let's say... All right, I got I to interfere. Administration official is telling Fox that the decision to strike Syria has been made. It's in response to Syria's use and continuing use of chemical weapons. That's all I know right now. Go right ahead. Let's say Trump handles Syria in expert fashion. Let's say Assad is defanged. Let's well, say- <laughs> all right, don't get mad at me. I, I, I screwed up the clock here. I apologize, Patrick. Call us next week. I'll give you time, plenty of time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, America the beautiful.
gentlemen, please join us Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, on the Fox News Channel for Life, Liberty, and Levin. I know you're going to enjoy it. The president now will be speaking in about three or four minutes, we're told. Should we strike Syria? We wish our armed forces, our great heroes, Godspeed and perfect aim. I'll see you on Monday. God bless you all.